Hey! This is JJ and Alex. I made a name for myself, I told you I won't be denied. As you wrap up your day, it's time to get your fix of the teams you live for and the sports you love. This is JJ and Alex, presented by G2G Bars on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Good afternoon. Happy Monday. We're happy to have you here on JJ and Alex. Mondays are hard, but we're fighting through it. You're almost there. You're almost through the work day. And we're here to help you get the, to the finish line. Jeremiah Jensen, Alex Keery, not here today. Alex will also be gone tomorrow. Tomorrow on the show, Stevenson Sylvester will join me for an hour and a half before the Jazz game starts when they're taking on the Atlanta Hawks. So that'll be fun tomorrow. But today, the focus is on the now. Focus is on the present. And in my presence is the great Mitch Harper. <laughs> you know him, you love him. BYU Insider, KSLSports.com, and you do so many more things. KSL News Radio, Cougar Sports Saturday. We'd spend an hour here talking about everything you do. Well, thank you. You're busy. We love you. You are the go-to guy for BYU coverage. If you if you love BYU and you're not following Mitch Harper, you're not consuming Mitch Harper content, you're doing it wrong. That's where you're going to find the best coverage. And I love, Mitch, how it's just you, you're, you're so professional in what you do. Like, let's be honest. There's a little bit of sometimes uh, BYU coverage in the market that's a little too sure. fanish, if you know what I mean. Yes. We need to be real. We, everybody, it, we need to know what's really going on. We need to know what the truth is. We need to look at things objectively. Because if you don't, then there's no way for the program – to get better or to you know or fans to understand what's really going on because I think the greatest problem with that and we're going to get into some BYU talk here in the segment when we start to cut but real quick as I introduce you when you get sold sunshine and rainbows all the time like it hurts your expectations and your perception of the program and the players and it makes for a negative fan experience if you understand what's really going on where things really are it actually enhances your experience because you don't have unrealistic expectations. And if the team does do much better than you expected or a player does better than you expected, there's a lot of joy in that. But on the other side, there's a lot of misery. And I see sometimes well, it's not just BYU. It's all fan bases deal with this is there's, there's just this like misery when things don't work out exactly how you expect them to be. That's why reporting and calling things out it is is so important. Well, I appreciate that JJ and excited to be in here in the studio today. It's our first time, hosting together since you've been in the saddle here and i'm that's excited. crazy it feels like we, we, we we've caught we we've done we've we, been on our show i've been on your we, show we've done all kinds of stuff together this is the first time you and i yes are on a hot mic for three hours well we've had so many uh you know three hour nights in the in the <laughs> sports bullpen just, just you know talking sports and everything Drive so. back from vegas <laughs> We've we, had adventures over the over we, the years. We have, and and but with BYU and and all the uh, commentary there, I appreciate that because yeah, just you know you want to give it to it straight, and I think that's what we'll be doing over the next couple hours here, talking uh, a lot of different topics with BYU, the Jazz, NFL, so much to get to because yeah, I mean people want to know the truth more than ever in society in all facets, whatever they're interested in, they just want to know the truth. They don't want to be sold a bill of goods and. Uh, you know, there's a lot of be truth uh, that uh, we learned truths we learned over the weekend. A lot of these teams locally uh, here in the market. So excited to dive into all of it with you. We got a lot to talk about today. The Jazz got a win last night. We got to see Victor Wembenyama 
He lives up to the highest. Yes, he we'll does. dig into that. Uh, we got our weekend Warriors. Uh, we're going to break down NCAA tournament projections. We're almost in March. It's time to get serious about college basketball. March is almost here. We're going to break it all down with the local teams. We got college football way too early. Conference title odds in the Big 12. As I mentioned, Jazz, NFL Blitz. We're going to have a great time here on a Monday. But let's get it started with some BYU talk. If we got Mitch Harper in studio, we got to do that. Let's begin with the cut right now. JJ and Alex. It's time for the biggest story of the day. This is what made the cut with JJ and Alex on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Now, the timing for you to be on the show, Mitch, is perfect because spring football starts this week. And the weather felt like spring this past weekend. It's not going to feel like that next weekend (laughs) and on the field when they take it uh, to the field on Friday. But spring football is here, so we can kind of really turn the page in the next season. Spring football, look, is sometimes overhyped. It is what it is, and it's great. And if you're a hardcore fan, it's interesting to follow what's going on there. The development of your depth charts, uh, position battles perhaps, um, are some guys going to leave the program? There's some new faces. Your first chance to see the new faces. So a lot to dig into. It's not actual games, but there is a lot of important things that happen in spring football. So we'll start there as you're beginning uh, your coverage of spring football on Friday. And as we look ahead to it, what are you looking forward to the most? What do you want to learn about this team during spring football? Well, it's easy to point out, JJ, but I, I think we do got to start a quarterback for BYU because that position group is such a wide open deal. You know, Kalani Sataki said a couple weeks ago that he has no idea who that starter is going to be. And, you know, look, that could be coach speak, but I tend to believe him because. I don't think he's attached to anyone in this quarterback unit right now, and he really wants to see everyone compete. You've got Jake Retzlaff, who comes back after starting four games last year. Gary Bohannon, who's a transfer from Baylor, USF. You've also got a a former Western Michigan quarterback, Trayson Borgay, who comes in as a walk-on. And then you got some freshmen and Noah Lugo, and and you've also got Ryder Burton and Kate Finnegan's a returning letterman. So there's so many guys, but what makes it so interesting about this quarterback battle is that there's no hot shot, you know, high profile recruit that feels like the next big thing. And to me, it's kind of the weakest grouping of quarterbacks that I've seen in a quarterback battle at BYU Mm. since about 2002. I went back and looked at some of the quarterback battles over the year, and that was with Brett Ingeman and Matt Barry, and that was a that was a losing tenure. And we saw how that went. And we saw how that went. And in a 16 team Big 12 where this is a much improved league when it comes to quarterback play. That position has to get right because if it doesn't give you promise, if you're Aaron Roderick and Kalani Satake, you got to go shopping in you know post spring transfer portal window, and and I think that quarterback is position is going to be analyzed with a fine comb because they need to get it right there, and if they don't. Another losing season is going to happen for BYU. You have to have great play at quarterback to win in the Big Twelve. If you have that many quarterbacks, you have none. Yeah, We all know how the saying goes. If you've got two quarterbacks, you have none. Now, if you're BYU and you've got, what, eight quarterbacks? and you, I mean, they have none right now. And well, that's the feeling I'm taking as I go in there. I can't look at one guy and say, he's the he's, I like, that's, got, that's the guy that's going to shine. He's going to stand out. You usually always have an idea. You don't know, especially when we have quarterback battles. You remember Zach Wilson? Yes. And uh, there was a quarterback battle there. 
even though he was the entrenched starter because there was Jaron Hall behind him, who was a really good talent. So as good as Zach Wilson was, he was being pushed by Jaron Hall. That's a great quarterback battle. That's the kind of quarterback battle you want to have on your team. They don't have that. This is not that kind of a quarterback battle. This is a wide open, we have no idea type of battle, which concerns me greatly about BYU is they have not figured – this has got to be figured out, and it's got to be good because you're going into the Big 12 second year now where you're looking around, and BYU fans are sick of us hyping up Cam Rising in Utah, but the honest truth is Cam Rising's won two Pac-12 championships. He's a proven guy. They're ready to go. The added benefit that brings to your program right out of the gate, you cannot you cannot place enough value on that. And you know, watching BYU last year, even Keaton Slovis coming, knowing he was the starter, it still didn't materialize. So it's so important to have that position solidified, to have a guy you can trust that you know is going to perform because it impacts everything else that's going on. So you can understand why there's so much concern about this. They don't know who that guy is. It could be Gary Bohannon. We watched him. I, w- I was on the field at Baylor when BYU went down there. I thought he was as good as Jaron Hall in that game. Obviously, that's not a consistent thing he was able to put together, and the injuries came up. I know it's there. I know he has it. But if you haven't seen it for two or three years, you can't believe it. Jake Retzloff, there were moments like, okay, he's got some skills. He's got certain things. He's mobile. I like that. But the costly turnovers and the, like, what was that kind of throws gave you pause. And then beyond that, we don't know any of these guys. We don't know what they could do. They're not proven. I mean, Kate Fennigan's played in some games. Didn't go well Boise State. Uh, I don't know. There's just too many I don't knows, Mitch, and that's why there's reason for concern here. It is concerning. And, you know, you look at Kalani Satake's best teams. He's heading into his ninth year already, which is crazy to think. His best teams at BYU, 2016 with nine wins, 2020 with 11, 2021 with 10. The common theme, NFL quarterback Taysom Hill, Zach Wilson, Jaron Hall. Mm. If Kalani wins, you've got to have an NFL quarterback. If he doesn't have an NFL quarterback, it's about seven wins on the high end, and that was with independent schedules. No one's going to say that those independent schedules, even though they had maybe higher level of top-end teams, the bottom of those schedules was bad. There's yeah. no you know, terrible teams in this 12-game schedule. BYU's got a bunch of games next season where they could be 50-50 games. Like, I'm not looking at anyone in the Big 12 and saying they are just untouchable. I mean, that's going to be kind of the entertainment value of the Big 12 is that it's 50-50 football every week. Anything can happen, and it's going to be wild. And and BYU could maybe be that team that was like West Virginia this past year where they rise from the ashes and give you an eight-win season maybe. But... History has shown that Kalani's got to have an NFL quarterback to get that done. And if he doesn't, it's going to be a lot of hair hair pulling and you're going to be feeling like BYU is not in a good place. And the stakes get magnified when Utah's in the league. I think that's an underrated storyline going into the season that now you are in the same league as your most heated rival. There's no debate about like this is the rival. Like, no, it's Utah. That's your rival in the Big 12. And if they step in this league and just win it, and I think they're at a minimum in the top three of this league, at a minimum, uh, that's going to be that's going to elevate the stakes and the urgency for BYU. So they've got to get this right. And I think that you have so many guys in that quarterback unit right now because they all feel like what we're talking about. There's no clear cut guy. So you know, Ryder Burns saying I I could maybe emerge. Like, is it possible? Probably not. But there's this feeling around the entire BYU program where everything's up for grabs outside of 
you know, defensive end with Tyler Batty and cornerback Jacob Robinson and a handful of offensive linemen with Connor Pay and Braden Kime. I think every position is up for grabs for BYU. Wide receiver, I, I feel like there should be position, there should be competition, even though you do bring back Chase Roberts and you bring back Cody Epps and you bring back some key pieces, Keelan Marion. But there, there needs to be competition because no one, especially on the offensive side, etched their name as the clear-cut guy because that was a disaster last season in many regards for BYU. I mean, if you don't have you know a, a, a season-opening uh, opener against Sam Houston, and if it would have been Tennessee like originally planned, you're talking about a four-win season. So BYU had a, a lot of issues last year, but Kalani does, you know, whenever to his credit, whenever he's made changes and there were some tweaks to the offensive staff, he tends to have a little bit of an uptick in in wins and in production. So bowl game is doable, but, you know, spring ball has got to really get some answers because if they don't get those answers, they got to be heavily involved in the post-spring transfer portal window. I have one answer for you about the NFL quarterback thing. They don't have an NFL quarterback. That's the thing, they too. They just don't. I don't. And I'm with you. I, I think that's where I point to back all the way to 2002 because – uh, in that stretch, that if for people that I mean, it's a history lesson in a way. It's ancient, ancient history for many people now. But you know, that was a stretch where BYU was on a, a three-year losing skid with Gary Crow, and and they had no NFL quarterback. And then John Beck in the later stages emerged and became the guy, and he went on to be an NFL QB. And then from Beck became Max Hall, and there's been a stretch of really good quarterback play in the last two decades for BYU, a lot better than I think. People realize, I think so many times they just turn to the 70s and the 80s when it was the heyday of BYU quarterback play, and it's still the the gold standard. But, man, BYU's had some really good QBs in the last 15 or so years that have played in the NFL and won NFL games. And uh, that right now, there's no sign of a guy in that unit that screams NFL to me either. And I think a part of a big part of this issue right now, the quarterback unit for BYU is that they went two entire recruiting cycles without signing a high school guy. And it's created this situation where they're in hurry up mode and they've got to go get a one year rental or a one year guy like Gary Bohannon and Keaton Slovis last year to kind of put a bandaid on the issue. But uh, I think in an ideal world, BYU has, Retzlaff emerge as the starter out of spring, but young guys like Ryder Burton and Noah Lugo show promise that say they could play if called upon in the fall. Because if that doesn't happen, then you're talking about being in a world where you're going for another one-year guy next year or even this summer if if needed. So wow. it's just kind of a it's a it's a very important spring. And I know that that sounds very uh, reality TV show host to me, like the most important spring ball ever. <laughs> we say this every offseason. <laughs> But it, it does feel like it because, look, I mean, you go back-to-back losing seasons. I know Tom Homo told me that Kalani Satake has no hot seat right now. But, uh, I mean, the standards should still be at a high level, I would imagine. Like, BYU football's, you know, in the top 10 in wins over the last 50 years. They know winning football down at BYU. And just because you're in the Big 12 doesn't mean that that standard should be lowered. So, you got to still win games and that's the challenge in front of BYU to get those answers, to find those guys that are going to go win those ball games coming up in the fall. Well, not to be too negative here. We're just being honest about the quarterback position. It is a major concern. There are reasons to be positive, though, and there's a lot of other things going on. I, I love what Jay Hill's doing with the defense. I thought you saw improvement last year in the defense. It wasn't as much as you probably like. I don't think the pass rush was as good yeah. as it needed to be, but it was a little bit better. Does that get even better this year? How much better can that defense be, and what do you want to see in spring that will confirm that to you? I think they're going to be a top four defense in the Big Twelve this year. Okay, and I so think that's positive. T- I think they're going to take a huge leap. Uh, I feel like the addition of Jack Kelly 
is going to be an instant impact, plug and play. He's a starter, and you pair him up with Ben Bywater, maybe Ace Kafusi as another linebacker. I love the talent at linebacker for BYU. It's back to being, you know, where you feel like you're three deep, and, and that's where BYU should be. You still got Harrison Taggart coming back, former Corner Canyon, Oregon guy. Uh, he's in his second year at BYU. I think the defensive line will be much improved for BYU. And, and I think a lot of that is because of the continuity won with Batty returning and Zay Banya. But I love the new additions that BYU brought in from the JC and, and transfer portal ranks. I've talked about him quite a bit, but Sonny Tuala, he's going to be part of spring ball. He was a Juco transfer. He's incredibly raw. He's only played football for about three years in his life. But if he can kind of catch fire, I mean, the athleticism that he has off the edge will be a huge boost for BYU. And I, I noted Jack Kelly, like I think in talk, talking about, you know, pass rush, he led the big sky last year at Weber State in sacks with 10 and a half. BYU as a team had 11 sacks. That guy alone will be, will instantly provide an uptick in production for BYU you there and I like the cornerbacks with Jacob Robinson I think there's you need answers as far as who's going to be that starter alongside him but I know they really like Maury Bamba Uh, he was someone who got a few starts last year but he's still very young and and raw but they bring in a few guys from the JC ranks and also uh, guys back from injury the safeties bring back Micah Harper I think that sec that defensive unit second year under Jay Hill I'm saying I feel like they'll be top four in the Big 12. I think they will make massive leaps forward. They, the biggest question, I think, on the defensive side is the D tackles. Uh, John Nilsson comes back from an injury, which I think is a big deal for BYU. But I think that's an area where BYU's got to maybe hit the portal to add depth at that position because it is relatively thin there unless they get some immediate answers from some of these JUCO transfers that Jay Hill and Sione Buha brought in. But I, I like the defense. If they can stay healthy, they're going to be a really good group. So if that defense is as good as you say it is, that'll keep them in some games. It'll give the offense a chance. I think so. As it tries to figure some things out. Well, let's talk about some other positions on that offense because you lost some running backs. And uh, Aiden Robbins, who I felt like should have came back, decides to go to the NFL. That was a big loss. LJ Martin, he proved himself, but was it consistent? And is he ready to step into that role? How do you look at that running back position? Because running the football was a problem for BYU's offense. It put a lot of pressure on Keaton Slovis. And the, the pass game couldn't carry the offense. How much better will the run game be or will it not be? It's a big question, like quarterback. And, and I think part of it is because of the high standard that the Big 12 has for, for the running game. I mean, the, the backs in this league, not only the best in the Big 12, but I think some of the best running backs in college football, I would say five or six of the best top 10 running backs in college football reside in this league. When you think yeah. about Ollie Gordon, R.J. Harvey at UCF, uh, Taj Brooks at Texas Tech, uh, DJ Giddens at, at Kansas State. There are some great running backs in this league. So there's a high standard uh, for what th- is expected from that position. And I think LJ Martin has star potential at BYU. I, I do. And I think the coaches see that in him. And But is he ready to be that guy? I mean, he's one rolled ankle away uh, from then you're turning to Miles Davis, who has seldomly played and had a brief moment in the transfer portal. And then it's maybe Hinkley Rapati, who had a few games, but he's also had a history of uh, putting the ball on the turf and not, you know, taking care of ball security. So big questions there. I- I'm very surprised that BYU comes into spring without a transfer portal addition. It feels like it feels like that's been the the bread and butter of BYU off seasons where out of all the positions out of the portal, you can tell running backs, hey, we've had Chris Brooks, Tyson Williams, Aiden Robbins, all guys that are going to get a paycheck from an NFL team. Like I think Aiden Robbins is going to get maybe a undrafted free agent opportunity and get a chance to to earn a paycheck. And Chris Brooks was, 
you know, a, a thing in Miami last year. So uh, I think that that's been a position where BYU's had a lot of success. And Tyler Algier and Jamal Williams, they've churned out NFL backs under Kalani Satake. So uh, they are putting a lot of expectations on on on, on uh, LJ Martin. But I think a, a guy to keep an eye on that I'm very intrigued by, he's a local kid from Tintview High School, Pokayawa Honga from Tintview High, came back from a mission. He could be kind of like, there's a little bit of comparisons to Harvey Unga potentially, really good athlete. I think he could be one to watch that could emerge and be a, a spring ball name that no one's talking about right now that could be someone that we're talking about come summertime around Big 12 media days as maybe a factor in that running back unit for BYU. But it's it's light, and, and I think that's uh, an area that uh, they've got to bolster. Regardless of what happens in spring, I think they need to add someone in that post-spring window. Uh, the O-line, is it going to be – was it coaching last year? Was it talent? Was it mix? Are they going to be good enough this year? Is it going to be better? I think that they are going to be better. TJ Woods comes in from Georgia Southern, and I saw him at the BYU-Baylor game, all decked out in BYU Gears family, so he's leaning into being a BYU guy. Got the great offensive line and coach mustache. Like Looks like an offensive <laughs> line coach. That. He looks the part. Uh, Connor Pay returns. Braden Kime, I think, is an underrated return. I think he's someone that maybe a year from now could be maybe an NFL pick, potentially, because he's a freaky athlete. Kime, so I, I like that grouping. You know, it's interesting. Kalani Satake said he is just so excited about year two with Caleb Etienne. He kind of wanted to temper the expectations, but he feels like it's going to be night and day. And that's uh, that would be a huge development because if Etienne becomes the player that they thought he was going to be when they got him from Oklahoma State last year, uh, that could be a game changer for BYU along the offensive line. I don't think they're as deep as what they've been the last three years. I think it kind of stops after about six guys, and you feel like there's a lot of questions as are they ready to step into uh, a Big 12 game, but the coaches have really loved Lone Peak High uh, return missionary Joe Brown, mm. who they elevated from preferred walk-on status to a scholarship. He could be a starter uh, in, in year one back from a mission. He's going to compete in spring ball. So I, I think they will improve, and I think that there's going to be a lot more aggressive uh, attitude. I think T.J. Woods is going to bring an intensity where they're going to hold guys accountable. That wasn't happening last year with the previous regime with Daryl Funk, and I think that alone can can help maybe get the most out of these players that are talented at the top end of that unit. Last BYU topic before we go to break. This has been a great spring tra- uh, spring football primer. Tight end position really, really slipped last year. Is there, Can they find somebody in spring that can emerge there? I think so, and I think that the two guys that I'm really curious on are Jackson Bowers and Reiner Swanson. One, because of their you know decorated high school careers, four-star prospects. I mean, had you name a school, and they got offers from them. I mean, they, mm. they got SEC offers. I mean, Reiner Swanson's a 17-year-old kid, comes in from Laguna Beach, California, turned down Texas, and he was heavily considering Texas, but it was – just the pull of BYU. There's still that appeal for for LDS kids uh, to play at BYU. So that was a big win for BYU on the recruiting trail. But also Keanu Hill switches over from wide receiver to tight end. Keanu Hill is about you know, 235, 240 pounds. He was struggling to keep off the weight. That was one of the big reasons why they switched him over to tight end. You know, if, if he can continue to run the same type of routes that he had as a wide receiver at the tight end spot, he, he could be a factor. But I just haven't seen it consistently from Keanu to say he's going to be the guy. I'm looking more to Bowers and Reiner Swanson to be those guys. You also bring in 
uh, Ethan Erickson, who's a returning letterman, and also Anthony Olsen from Olympus, who I really like, could be a, a name to keep an eye on. I've been, I've been high on him for the past couple of years, but still kind of learning the game of football. He's in his third year at BYU. I think he's a really good athlete and could earn some playing time this season. That is a great primer for spring football for the BYU Cougars. It begins on Friday. Mitch is going to be all over it. Be sure to watch his coverage and con- consume his coverage <laughs> in all the different media formats, social media, KSL News Radio, right here on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. He's all over the place, Mitch. That's great. Uh, look forward to another spring football season getting underway. We've got to take a break. We will be right back. JJ and Alex, Jeremiah Jensen, Mitch Harper, 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> You're locked into JJ and Alex with the insight and analysis on the teams you can't live without. Presented by G2G Bars. This is 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. JJ and Alex continues 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Mitch Harper sitting in. For Alex Curie, Alex will be back on Wednesday. So it's Jeremiah and Mitch today. <laughs> we had some fun in the first segment. I think BYU fans really appreciate that breakdown. That was awesome, Mitch. Every detail about what we're looking forward to seeing here with the BYU football team as spring football begins on Monday, on sorry Friday. Uh, I can't believe spring football is already here, but it is. Uh, the Cougars get started, and there was a lot of questions we have which kind of makes it interesting and fun. I think sometimes, I mean, we all want to have answers, and I think when you have more answers than questions, you're you're set up for success. But at the same time, I think there's some real opportunities there on that BYU football team. You mentioned a lot of names that could emerge. You know, it doesn't, you know, I, I say that they don't have a quarterback. Well, maybe they do. We just don't know. Yeah. And based on what we've seen so far, based on what we know about the roster, I'm sorry. There's nobody on there that's proven themselves Beyond Gary Bohannon, who has had a significant injury that he's overcoming, is he going to be the same quarterback he was before? Where's the arm strength? Where is he as far as, you know, as a quarterback, you know, having gone through all those things? We haven't seen it. We just don't know. And I think that that's why there's doubt. And I think hopefully BYU fans understand that's not us sitting here being negative, like just ripping BYU. It's just where they're at with that position in a league that's loaded with quarterbacks. You talk about the top end of the uh, Big 12 next year, Mitch. There's some really good quarterbacks in the league. There is. And, and Cam Rising's near the top. Shadur Sanders, I think, is the best in the league. Colorado. Uh, even Rocco Becht, Big 12 freshman of the year last season, coming back for Iowa State. Iowa State, I think, is good enough to win the league, potentially. I, I really do. I think Iowa State could be a really uh, a big factor in the Big 12 title race next season, especially with Matt Campbell once again coming back. They were the youngest team in the Big 12 last season. So, Quarterbacks galore in the league. Avery Johnson's going to be good at Kansas State. I, I just I like the league, the balance of it. And BYU just seems to be this team. What hurts BYU is that they don't have answers at quarterback, and they also just don't have an identity in this league. Like I can point back to at West Virginia last November, and it, look, it's just media talk, but it was like a first impression sort of deal. And some of those West Virginia media talking heads were almost saying. BYU might be the new Kansas of this league. And I'm thinking, right. like, what? The the new Kansas? Like, the Kansas that was a one-win team? But there were stretches last year where BYU looked like that team. And as many uh, moments as Retzlaff gave you, and there was a few, 
he ultimately finished 0-4, and, and he had chances to win that job and say, I am your leader. Follow my lead. I'm putting the team on my back. Let's go. And he just couldn't get it done. And look, maybe it's just a case of he needs more snaps and more opportunities. And I do think he's the favorite right now to win that job, but it's a byproduct of you didn't get anyone that has a resume that says he is going to get pushed, and if he wins this job – you're going to feel a lot better about him winning it because there's so many good options around him that he rose the occasion and got it. It's more of a case of, well, he's got the most experience returning working with Roderick. He probably should get the nod. Yeah. And that's not the best world to be in, in a, in a league that's that's ripe for opportunity where everyone's – that's what makes the Big 12 fun next year and in the years to come. Everyone's in this chase to – with a 12-team playoff – and to this push to become the new standard, the, the new brand that elevates the Big 12. Like, everyone's chasing that. And why can't you have that dream in Provo? Everyone's having it in Morgantown, Lawrence. I mean, everyone from this whole league, they're thinking they can be that that team. And it's just like it, there's a window that's being missed if you can't get that quarterback spot right. Yeah, and you you, you just you simply just mentioned all those names. And it, there's even more guys in the league. You didn't even mention Jalen Daniels of Kansas, right? <laughs> Yeah. He was the preseason player of the year last year. Injuries derailed his season. He's back. Uh, West Virginia's got an entrenched Garrett quarterback. Green. There's just so many good players at that position in the Big 12. BYU's got to have somebody step up. If you want to be the best, you've got to have a quarterback that's that can compete with those names we mentioned. Until BYU answers that question, there's going to be some doubt. Uh, as far as doubt goes with MLB expansion, there's no doubt that Salt Lake City has stepped up. And let's give some credit to Big League Utah. Yes. Steve Starks, the CEO of Miller Group, has done a great job. The Larry H. Miller Company stepped up. They're ready to go. And everything is in a great position because of the work that, that Starks and that whole group have done. And right now, from all the reports we've heard, it's looking like Nashville and Salt Lake City are in the lead. The only problem is... The MLB hasn't even started any kind of formal expansion process. So we're probably six years away from that happening officially. And the the, the names or the cities that are going to be named, uh, probably, what, 28, 29, if that's the case. So we're looking at another four years that things could flip-flop, things could change, or things stay the same. But I know you're following the story. You have interest in baseball. You love the sport. Uh, what is your excitement level about the possibility of a team here in Utah? And are you worried that we can't have nice things and the rug's <laughs> going to be pulled from out from under us? Uh, I think this is going to get done eventually. And I mean, the fact that I'm very excited, first off, to answer your question, I, I think that it's uh, would be just a huge thing for this market to have uh, a pro baseball team, you know, filling the summer months and giving another entertainment option to a market that just, quite frankly, I think people love sports here more than than most markets. It's not a it's not a passive market when it comes to fan interest, uh, like many Western markets. Like this market cares about its sports and they lean into it, especially when there's a winner. Uh, they're all in, and you know I just think that I think it's remarkable too that Salt Lake it feels like has closed a, a gap because it feels like Nashville's been this team that's or market that's been tossed around. For more than a decade, it feels yeah. like they've been that next in line. They've already, got their, they've already got they're already <laughs> the Nashville stars. They've already got it picked out. Yeah. They're all ready to go. So there's been so many years, yet Salt Lake has closed the gap. It feels like, yeah. and to, as to your point with Big League Utah, I mean, I, maybe it's just 
following the Jazz for many years in this market and seeing them and observing them, I just feel like anytime the Millers attach their name to anything, it's going to be a well-executed from top yeah. to bottom operation. And when they're all in on something, I have a lot of trust that it's going to get done. And that's what gives me hope. Like, it's not some group that we're not familiar with. Like, we know the nuts and bolts of how the Millers operate, and that's a dang good product that's going to bring consistency. It's not going to be a volatile product. Like, I mean, the A's, you know, if we wanted to see them here in Salt Lake, that's a volatile franchise. You just never know what they're going to do, and it's caused so many headaches, and they've never evolved, even though they've had great players over the years, and they've had moments and seasons where you feel like they're maybe the best in the AL, and they never get it done because they're just, and fire sell the product. And whereas this group will be in it to win and they will want to put out a product that consistently competes at a high level. And I think the entertainment, the amenities, I think it's all factored in. I think that's why uh, it'd be foolish for the A's not to come here. And then it can be that great audition to say, hey, Salt Lake is primed and ready to have an MLB team because people here in this market, they want more sports uh, entertainment options, and they're, they're craving that. So I, I'm very interested in this story. It's It's got me more fired up in baseball, honestly, coming up to this season because for the past few years, it's just more casual looking at scores and you know not being invested. I feel like this year I'm, I'm way more intrigued in the storylines, the hot stove, because there's, there's a chance this has a ripple effect on our market. Yeah, I think people here – almost unanimously love to have Major League Baseball here unless they have to pay a billion in taxes to yeah. fund it. That's, that's a different story. We're not going to dig into that right now. Uh, that will be debated and discussed. Uh, you know, it sounds like a hotel tax, but you know, hopefully all that, the political stuff and all that kind of stuff gets worked out because as a sports fan, you want that to be here. But CBSSports.com, writer Dane Perry, baseball writer, uh, took a look at MLB expansion right now. He broke down eight possible locations for new baseball teams from population to how many other pro sports teams they have in those markets because it's obvious that baseball is interested in going to 32 teams. So he went through all these different areas or categories. How much that has an impact on things, I don't know. But obviously, population matters, right? You want to go into a market that is big. So... When it comes to the teams that are being considered here, Montreal, Charlotte, San Antonio, Portland, Sacramento, Las Vegas, Nashville, and Salt Lake City. He picked these eight cities. Salt Lake City's eighth in population. Montreal would be first at 4.38 million. So Salt Lake City comes in eighth as far as population goes. How about media market rank? This is interesting. Sacramento, 20th. Charlotte, 21st in the country. They are second. Portland, 23rd. Nashville, 26th, Salt Lake City, 27th, San Antonio, 31st, Vegas, 40th. I will tell you that Salt Lake City is shooting up the Nielsen DMA charts. Since I've been working here, when I first got here to Salt Lake City, I think we were 36th, Hmm. and in that time, we are now up to 27th. In fact, I think there's been a six-spot climb just in the last five years. So the population in here is rising. The media market size of Salt Lake City is growing by the year, and we've passed places like Milwaukee and San Antonio, Pittsburgh, cities like that. Those are significant. That's significant because yeah. those are places with multiple pro sports teams, and we're right on the heels of Nashville. Portland, while they're making their case up there, it's a four-spot difference. It's not that big of a deal. Salt Lake City and I feel in that area, which is might be more, more important than the population thing, they rank pretty well. They're in a good spot. And I know we're up close to this market all the time, but it just feels like compared to those other markets, and again, I don't know, I'm not going to sit here and claim to know all the nuances and the the fabric of 
the culture of those media markets, but it feels like there's just upside. Like you're, yes. you're investing into a rising product in Salt Lake, whereas some of these other markets, I just feel like sports has it's the interest level is has peaked. It's in the past. Like at Sacramento, it's not going to be the days of. You know, the Kings in the cowbell. I know they still support the Sacramento Kings greatly. and But it's just like, I feel like their their best days are beyond where Salt Lake is just. People in Sacramento are Giants fans. Exactly. They're already occupied by so many other teams in California. I just feel like, you know, Salt Lake's just got the ability to where you come in day one and you're going to win over a market. Because there's so many, I know there's a lot of fan base or a lot of uh, sports fans here in this market that maybe you have adopted the Yankees or the Red Sox or the Dodgers, sure. you know, the key brands. But I feel like a lot of them might sacrifice that and say, you know what? I want to be part of the the team that's in the home market and I'm ready to go all in on this team. So I, I just feel like that's what's also appealing. And uh, like, again, there's a lot of people moving in. I know that's not ideal. Uh, we don't want necessarily, you don't necessarily want that, but I know people listening probably don't, but a lot of people want to live here. Once you get here, you go, this is an amazing place. And, yeah. and I think pro athletes, once they get into this market, they realize, Hey, it's not as crazy as it's been portrayed for so many decades. It's a great place to live and to raise a family. I just think there's so much upside and potential in Salt Lake. And like, I, again, I think like Charlotte could probably be a good market, I'm sure. But too, I just think too close to Atlanta, too close to Nashville. That's the thing is where that matters. And I'll get to the you, know, you, need, get to that. you need a team in the mountain time zone exactly. too for windows television. Yep. So Salt Lake City ranks low in, in per capita GDP. Um, more people have more money to spend in Vegas, Charlotte, Sacramento, those places. Uh, number of major sports franchises. Not that many. That actually helps, I think, their case because there's room for growth here. Yeah. There's room for growth. There's, there's, there's the market's not a split, but here's a really big factor. I think it matters. Salt Lake City's 520 miles from Denver. Obviously, when the A's come here, Vegas is a little closer, but you're still far away. This is a chance for MLB to come to a rising market and a huge geographic area that a team could occupy where there's not currently one. And so, this is an opportunity for Major League Baseball to tap into an untapped sports market. As we're mentioning, there's a lot of interest here. And I think that certainly favors Salt Lake City. But uh, the thing that I take away from this is even though Salt Lake City doesn't have a lot of advantages in these categories that he's throwing out as being the reason why you give somebody an expansion team, they're at the front of the they're at the front. Yep. They're in the they're the leader in the clubhouse right now for the Western Club. Give Steve Starks, Big League Utah credit, Dale Murphy, everybody involved. Give everyone who's supporting this credit because you're at the front of the line when by logic. You should be in the back. Yeah. That's awesome. And that's why this is so promising. And be and and big league Utah and this this situation is great for if you want Major League Baseball in Utah, things are looking really good, despite some of these challenges that uh might be the perception of people outside of here. But obviously Major League Baseball, Rob Manfred know what's going on here with the efforts that are being put forth and uh, ownerships in place. The stadium site's in place, and the public support is in place. So Utah's well ahead despite the odds. All right, this week on Win Ticket Wednesday, we're giving you the chance to win tickets to see Santana at Utah First Credit Union Amphitheater on August 21st, 2024. So that's Win Ticket Wednesday coming up. Santana, Utah First Credit Union Amphitheater on August 21st. And 
you can look forward to that. Uh, as always, JJ and Alex is brought to you by G2G Bars with all natural ingredients, no preservatives, plenty of protein. G2G Bars are perfect for anyone who needs a tasty and nutritious boost. And it's also brought to you by the great people at Trajan Wealth, your local financial fiduciary. Fiduciary, 801-899-7600. You can visit their website at trajanwealth.com. Our weekend warriors are coming up next. JJ and Alex, 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Um. Your home for the best coverage of the Jazz, Utes, and Cougars is right here on the zone. This is JJ and Alex, presented by G2G Bars on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. JJ and Alex, 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Hope you're enjoying your Monday as you come to the end of your work day or wherever you might be today. Thanks for making us a part of your day. Jeremiah Jensen sitting next to Mitch Harper, who's filling in for Alex Carey today. Mitch Harper, the Cougar Sports Insider for KSLSports.com and KSL News Radio. You're everywhere. <laughs> you're, well, you're what I would call, Mitch, a weekend warrior. Yes. Nobody works harder than you on the weekend, which is a perfect segue into this segment. It's Weekend Warriors time. It's brought to you by Gillette Heating and Air. Right now, get sensational. Sorry, it is sensational, but it's also seasonal maintenance done on your furnace for only $59. See GilletteHVAC.com to make an appointment. Gillette Heating and Air. All right. Weekend Warrior, you got a good one. I do. I don't know if you caught this. this oh, I did. Uh, NFL, should I, do I say future NFL Hall of Famer? Oh, now we're getting into a debate. Okay. So, I love, love Cam Newton. What I what I love about my quarterbacks is I want them to be good, I want them to be entertaining, and I want them to be interesting. And he was all three yes. of those things in his prime. He was an MVP. Yep. So. Got to a Super Bowl, it, didn't win, but no, hey, he was there against your Broncos. Dan Marino did the same dang yep. thing, and Dan mm-hmm. Marino's one of the all-time greats. Uh, is Cam Newton a Hall of Famer? Is Matt Ryan a Hall of Famer? Yes, I think is, so. It, was Matt Ryan better than Cam Newton at any season in his career? No. I think I'd go Cam Newton Hall of Fame. See? <laughs> I think that I can't put Matt Ryan in the Hall of Fame without putting Cam Newton in the Hall of Fame. They were playing during the basically the same decade in their prime, right? Well, and after the weekend, I'm ready to etch the bust <laughs> after seeing this epic video. Okay, so Cam Newton... He's hosting a seven-on-seven football camp, so these high school seven-on-seven camps he's hosting in the Atlanta area. About five or six men suddenly attack Cam Newton over uh, how these games played out and the trash-talking that took place, and Cam Newton is fighting these men by his lonesome. I mean, the guy, the guy carried Auburn to a national title on his back. The guy can far, fight uh, on his own against six men, and he's got the kind of the silly hat, the style, the fashion that he's typically known of for he does. While, while fighting. Uh, insane video. A guy that was – because many led many people wondering – what caused this fight? Well, apparently someone that uh, went after Cam, he said that Cam was uh, in his car yelling and talking a lot of smack, trash talk. He was coaching one of the seven-on-seven teams, 
and just nonstop trash talk from Cam Newton, leading these other coaches to then want to fight him, and Cam stonewalled him and, and basically held his own against six men. So my weekend warrior embodied the warrior word, uh, Cam Newton, just fighting off six grown men at a seven-on-seven football camp. Cam Newton, <laughs> literally a weekend warrior. <laughs> my goodness. Not the only time it's happened to him, too, where he's getting these fights at uh, football camps. What apparently, the heck? apparently he's just a trash talker, and it causes these uh, other coaches to want to brawl and fight over youth sports. You gotta love that, right? That is just bizarre. <laughs> I tell you what, though, Cam Newton is always interesting, always entertaining, always fascinating, even in retirement now. Oh, yeah. If he's, I don't know, is he, is he officially retired? I don't know, but he is definitely not playing. He's a YouTuber. In the NFL, right? He's okay. Well, he's a YouTuber. There you go. And he's saying Brock Purdy, I mean, even Super Bowl week, he's like 10th best player. He's in the headlines. Cam Newton's always interesting. I like Cam Newton. Sorry. I'm not going to apologize for that. Me too. I love Cam Newton. So do not mess with Cam Newton. He is (laughs) still, he is still a strong, strong man. My weekend warrior, not as funny, not as interesting (laughs) But very inspiring. I love the University of Utah women's basketball team because they have been through all kinds of adversity this season, lost their second-best player to injury. They've had all kinds of ups and downs. They've had some bad calls at the end of games that screwed them out of wins. I said it, that screwed them out of wins. And they still have continued to fight. They got embarrassed on national TV Thursday at UCLA. What do they do? Two days later, they bounce back, and they beat seventh-ranked USC on their court. Alyssa Peely. 23 points, 9 rebounds against her former team, and the Utes bounce back. They have four top 10 wins this season, most in the country, and they're fighting to get one of those top four seeds in the NCAA tournament, which would mean they would host, again, back-to-back seasons. Uh, They're well on their way, but the Utah women's basketball team, once again, a great story this season. They're headed to the NCAA tournament here very soon, and we will see what they do once they get there. But they've got one week left in the regular season, and they're off to Vegas. They faced a total gauntlet. Uh, Pac-12 women's basketball's elite this year. I mean, I think eight of the top 25 teams are from that conference. Yes. So they've had a lot of losses, and some of them blowouts. And you think, oh, what's going on? Is it panic time for this team? Are they not living up to it, even despite the injuries? Uh, but I just think it's the Pac-12. Like They're, they're loaded yeah. on the women's side this year. It's not like the men where... It's two teams dancing. Like No, the women's are kind of the gold standard of, of basketball. So it's been a, a real gauntlet. And they could still, like I said, get in that top 16. And uh, Alyssa Peely continues to dominate. She is a heck of a player. Might be, I mean, you can make a case she's the best just basketball player in the state, like men's and women's. So she's she's outstanding. She's a heck of a player. Yeah, I, Dylan Jones, obviously, but Alyssa yeah. Peely, what she's doing. Uh, and she's going to be in the WNBA. Uh, which is pretty cool. They played South Carolina, number one in undefeated South Carolina this year. Only lost by nine, held their own in that game. They were in it the whole way. So the Pac-12 prepares you for the NCAA tournament. They could very well make another deep run, as they did last year, to the Sweet 16, eventually losing to national champion LSU. we got to take another break. We'll be right back with NCAA tournament predictions. Speaking of that talk, nice segue into what we're going to be talking about next. BYU, Utah State. Utah, even Weber State, where do all these teams fit right now? What do they got to do to get lock status? What does Utah need to do to get off the bubble? We'll talk about all of that coming up and more after this. JJ and Alex, 97.5 DKSL Sports Zone.